Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Blister Podcast on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. This past week, I was back in the Wood River Valley, spending time in Haley and Ketchum and Sun Valley, and I had the opportunity to make good on something I've wanted to do for over a year now, and that is to dig in a bit deeper to all that is going on at the Sun Valley Ski Education Foundation. And I guess we can say up front, we definitely will not in this conversation be sort of going into everything that the SVSEF is up to. But what we will present for you here is a very interesting conversation that touches on a whole lot of important issues that range from how we are thinking about sport itself conceived as broadly as possible in at least this country, but also I feel like this conversation could slot in as another episode in our Mountain Town Economics series. And in addition to those two things, today you are also going to get to meet Will Brandenburg, who is the Alpine Program Director for the Sun Valley Ski Education Foundation, and Will's personal story is an extremely interesting one too, and it is certainly a story that has informed his own perspective on topics like how ought we to be thinking about sports in this country and issues like mountain town economics and how we can support and help small community ski areas and how small ski areas can bring more and more people and kids into the sports of skiing and snowboarding. And so with that, let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Will Brandenburg. Here we go. All right, well, I am here in Ketchum with Will at, and I've been practicing Will, <laughs> at SVSEF, sometimes known as the Sun Valley Ski Education Foundation. Yeah? Yeah. I, I got yeah, this? You got it. You nailed it. It's a, it's a, it's a mouthful. <laughs> it is a mouthful. Man, the more I learn about this organization in some ways, the more complex it becomes for me because it just feels like so much is happening under this rubric of SVSEF. So I'm going to cop out here and maybe ask you, Will, first of all, state your title here and then talk a little bit about what this organization does. Yeah. So I'm the Alpine director for SVSEF. Um, and we have... Uh, we have Nordic Alpine, which is Alpine ski racing, freestyle, free ski, um, and snowboard, um, all within our organization and, and offer, uh, a club sport option for, for all of our winter sports. Um, but that hit winter turns into summer pretty quickly <laughs> in our organization. Yeah. And, and it's a lot of the high school age athletes, it's year round, um, programming. We're, we're going into the gym, um, for the, for a lot of the the gravity sports athletes, the park and pipe and and, and mogul skiers and snowboarders, we have an air barn for them to go train in and 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 do stuff. I would, it's not full like Woodward in there, but it's uh it's our style of that I, I would say, and, and it's pretty cool to see how it grew. Um, but I think the goal is just to share this passion for these sports um, 
and, and, and all of them, you know, I'm the Alpine director. That's where, where I get to concentrate my passion. Um, but, but share the passion with the youth, get them addicted to this sport and use it for a vehicle of growth. And, um, I think all, all the other program directors would say the same. It's, we love what we do. These kids compete really hard. Um, and, and it's, it's, if we can engage them in a passion that pushes themselves, I think it really grows the individual and, and, I think at the heart of the beat of the organization, that's what we're going after. Hmm. And about how many kids are in the program in a given season? This isn't just growing every single year, is it? Right now it is. It's we're, we're, um, we're, I think it's the biggest struggle we have currently is figuring out how to, um, handle the growth. And maybe it's a lot of mountain towns have been feeling this, um, right since since COVID. But uh, our, the population base grows in in your valleys, and but yeah, our 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 organization is I would say almost doubled in size in the last five years. Wow, it feels like maybe I'm wrong, but the Alpine team has uh-huh. um, with with the youth involvement, um, and and uh, you know our, our moguls program has grown. It's easily doubled in size, um, in the last five years, John Grigsby's there, our coach there. Um, and, and so, uh, the snowboard team, which has had some of the most Olympic success for our organization. Mm-hmm. Um, Chase Josie has been there multiple times. Mm-hmm. Caitlin Farrington won a gold medal, um, in, in snowboard half pipe. Uh, that program really started to get a little bit smaller, um, over the last, before Andy Gilbert came back and, and is really reinvigorated it. It's, it's pretty awesome um, to see. But so, yeah, in general, we've, we're just like hill space, infrastructure, uh, coaching and staffing. When we're getting we're, with, with growth, which is awesome, um, we're full, hmm. you know, and we, we keep pushing our, our limits, redesigning programming to allow more athletes in, and then it fills up right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, growth is, is an interesting thing to talk through here because growth is great, but we have to grow properly. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so we can support everyone, um, in the ways that, uh, you know, again, ignite that passion in the kid. Yeah. And how to grow properly is definitely going to be kind of a subject of this conversation because growth can happen in a number of different ways and sort of the success metrics, right. That we tie to this. And this is, this has been such an interesting thing. Full disclosure, you and I have already had one hell of a conversation going (laughs) like all morning, which I'm very grateful for. But I think this conversation is going to present a lot of food for thought. I mean, one, I think for mountain town communities, like literally everywhere, but also as we're thinking about, you know, some of these sports, whether it's skiing, snowboarding, ski racing, you know, et cetera, et cetera. How do we want the trajectories of these sports to kind of go? And so that's kind of our work here, I think. As a way into that though, because this is actually a really important part of, I think, kind of your perspective and kind of some of your principles today. I want to talk about your background. So how did you leave? Like, we'll really back it up here, but you are now the Alpine manager. Yeah. So I run the Alpine racing program. Alpine here. racing program. Yeah. So, here. but I'm the Alpine director is yep. the title. Yep. Yep. 
So you currently run, I'm going to show, I'm going to say this just so I can show off again. You currently run the Alpine racing program for SVSEF. I'm (laughs) I'm getting faster at it like you are. You're doing good. How did you get here? Sounds like it started in Walla Walla, Washington. Yeah, I was born in Walla Walla, Washington before it was wine country. Uh-huh. Um, I think the most famous thing when I was living there was Walla Sweet Onions. Huh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, it, you know, a, a farm community um, and there was a little ski hill outside of Dayton, Washington. I want to say it was about an hour from, from Walla Walla um, to, you know, from my doorstep to the to, to the uh, mountain was ski bluewood and, and is where I learned how to ski. And, um, and well, man, I loved that place. Hmm. Um, so yeah. And, and my passion for ski racing started there and, um, little spout springs out of Milton free water. Um, it's actually in between Milton free water and Legrand had night skiing. Um, and my dad knew how much I loved it. So after schools and, uh, on the weekdays, he would take me up there and, um, he would actually like take branches off of trees and put them into the, to the, into the ground as, as little gates. Um, and, and so it, it, we, we kind of uniquely found a way to ski a lot, you know, in a, in a place that I don't know how many people were skiing five days a week, but I was when I was really little, um, it, you know, right outside of Walla Walla and, uh, and so, yeah, I, I grew, I grew the passion for skiing there. And I mean, I just, I just loved it instantly. And I love the freedom of, of being able to just go do your own thing and go wherever you wanted on the mountain. And it, you know, as a kid, it felt freeing, but also I think those hills weren't that big. Mm-hmm. So for my parents, um, to be able to just drop me off at the bottom of the mountain and, 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 you know, they love skiing too, but know that, uh, I, I can go out on my own and be okay. You know, it was pretty, it was pretty awesome. But anyways, I, I grew up there and then I moved to Spokane, Washington in, in the fifth grade and skied out of Mount Spokane and Schweitzer. And, um, out, out of that, I, um, had su- successful ski racing career in high school and, um, was really close a lot of times to, to leaving Spokane and going to, to a ski academy mm-hmm. where I had multiple people within the industry tell me like, if I, if I didn't leave now, I would never make it. Hmm. I would never, I would never make the US ski team and, and stuff like that. But the importance of, I was a little bit of a mama's boy, I think. And then the hmm. importance of staying home and being with my friends, um, for me, balance in life was always important. And I had friends in Spokane that, that, that didn't know, um, ski racing, you know, they, they knew other sports and yeah. we played other sports. Yeah. Um, and I think it really, in the long term, for me, helped allow me to achieve more. Was I could get away from it when I was when I was younger. Um, but at 19, um, 20, 19 years old, 18, 19, sorry, I uh, I was named to the national team, development team, um, out of out of out of Schweitzer, um, like a huge life goal of mine. Okay. Um, and then ski raced until I was twenty seven, until two thousand fifteen. Um, and I, I can't count all the national team years because it's like I was off the team, but was training with them and mm-hmm. racing World Cup and stuff like that. But I was around the highest level of the sport for about five years. I raced the World Cup and uh, and and was able to make the Olympics and multiple world championships and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's pretty funny. You reflect on your career. And I call myself kind of like I was a semi-professional athlete because – I mean, I made it to the highest levels, but I didn't really have that much success up there, you know, and, uh, specifically like as much as I, 
I think I could have, but I probably every athlete feels that way. Um, but the bigger piece for me was, um, you know, I, I, I like this little kid from Bluewood got to ski all like that passion that I had all of a sudden I get to ski all these amazing ski areas all over the world. And, um, and the life experiences and the people I met and the culture that I, I was, if you open your eyes and want to go see, you know, like, um, I, I learned so much about myself and who I am and I'm a better person for growing through that journey <laughs> that like maybe the outcome of, of it wasn't what I wanted, but, um, you know, no gold medals or, or, or stuff like that. But, um, but, but what it, what it actually gave me was, was a way bigger thing. And, you know, has inspired me when I was done. I was, I think most people when they're done with something maybe earlier than they want to be, um, you're a little bitter towards, towards stuff like that. And I think I've seen teammates of mine have the same feeling. And when I left the sport, I, I I just made a conscious decision. It was just like, I remember thinking to myself, it's like, if I don't give back what I've learned, then what am I doing? What was this for? What was this for? And so, I initially just wanted to start like just trying to talk to kids and give as much information as I could. And it's just grown and snowballed into now I'm, now I'm in Sun Valley, Idaho, getting to run the race program. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. So you said you were 27 when you were kind of wrapping up your own racing career. Yeah. But then if my math is right, that means you headed here pretty quickly yeah so what got you here and then what were you doing initially did you Im- immediately get hooked up with svsef well so it's it's fascinating so my last year um my last year racing i was uh i was i think i en- yeah i entered the season ranked 31st in the world um in slalom um and had my own world cup spot so like no one else could use it um, in the sport of ski racing, if you, if you win a Noram title or in the top, top two, you get your own spot for the world cup next season. Um, but I wasn't renamed to the national team, um, wasn't funded, um, had to, had to kind of go out on my own. And, and truthfully that like, I had a lot of, I had a lot of opportunity, man. Like I had a lot of race starts on the national team, fully funded them doing everything they possibly could to, to get me to that level of of producing, mm-hmm. uh, at the highest level and whatever reason we can go down a, it just didn't happen. I didn't, mm-hmm. I, I didn't keep getting, I had stayed 31st in the world for five years and stuff like that. And so they made a decision to, to move on to, to support younger athletes or different athletes. And so I had to go out on my own mm-hmm. and, um, I still really believed it. And I, and I think certain things happen, but I still really believed I could do it. Right. I could win yep. at the highest level. Um, and so I went and fundraised my own money. Um, one of who was, a, a on the board, who's actually now, um, the head of the board for us ski and snowboard, Kip Nelson, um, was, uh, a fan of mine, I think. And, and I would say a friend is a friend, um, uh, in, in ways, um, but wanted to support it. And he was on the board at SVSEF here. And, uh, so that last winter we kind of made a deal um, if I came and trained in Sun Valley, he would donate and had some people around the Sun Valley community that would donate to my ski season. Um, and so I came here about 20 days that winter mm-hmm. in between these races. And one of that, um, one of that time frame, 
another athlete that was racing World Cup on her own, Haley Duke, who's from here, um, was was doing a I forget some sort of project for maybe it might, it might have been even from school or for for a donor I don't know but she had to do like a three day camp with the kids and uh, and it was a slalom camp huh. and Haley's like hey can you help me out and Scotty McGrew who is the at that time my position now the uh, Alpine director was like hey could you help out after training so we started coaching those kids. And also got to know Scotty in those three days a lot more. Um, and like really kind of fell in love with that side of the sport, like sharing what I knew, um, you know, how engaging they were, how to help a kid feel that arc, a powerful arc and see the face, their face after they feel something cool. And like, it's a really cool feeling as a coach. <laughs> right. And it's addicting. And I think I felt that right away. Um, so that summer I didn't know what I wanted to do. My wife and I, who were, who were just married about a year, um, you know, I didn't have the success I wanted and, and didn't remake the national team and, um, was really thinking of just taking a year off and then going after it again. Hmm. Um, but our bank accounts were at about zero <laughs> and Scotty called up and was like, Hey, would you be interested in coaching at hood a summer camp? And I went there and then huh. it was like, would you take this this U16 group over for us for a winter? And I was like, you know what? Yeah, man, I'll do that. Hmm. So I moved up here in, in that September and, um, you know, for two years was the head U16 coach here. And I thought it was just going to be one year and then I'd go back into it. And um, it just halfway through that season, I knew that it was hard to come to grips with like, yeah, you, you, you did that. It's your next stage of your life. Mm -hmm. And, and it's okay, man. Like you did, might not have gotten what you wanted, but you got a lot more out of it than, than you ever thought. And so, uh, I ended up here mm -hmm. and haven't, I don't think we'll ever leave my wife and I this Valley and, and found the, a community that, um, in so many ways, I just really, really admire and want to be a part of. Um, and, and, and I'm lucky to now lead the racing side of, mm -hmm. so it's pretty cool. <laughs> That is perfect background, <laughs> as I had promised our listeners, for where we're going to be going in this conversation then. And at the broadest point, you you said multiple times as we were talking earlier, like, I just really care about like sport and the role of sport and what we're doing sort of with it and what purpose it serves in this country. And we're going to kind of get to that. But I also am thinking for people who are less familiar with Sun Valley and Ketchum, you know, and, and this like, ironically, Sun Valley, right, is kind of this iconic ski area that many, many people have heard of. You and I have actually like not talked about it at all. We've talked a ton about Road to Run yeah. uh, down in Haley. And some listeners, this was probably on a Gear 30 podcast of ours, but we were talking with Ulin Glenn, the owner of Sturdivans, and Ulin and I uh, talked a bit about Rotor Run, and I think it's so cool. And when I met you, you were just snapping, like you were so, you were just like lighting up to talk more about Rotor Run, and, and I want to capture some of that again to help flesh this out. And again, because I think both of us 
would like to sort of spark some uh, creative thinking in other communities, yeah. right? So that's what we're going to be doing. And but it's such a, it's such an interesting area. Again, we are very close to this iconic ski area, Sun Valley. Rotor Run is a bit further down the road from where we're sitting right now. Folks, keep this in mind, like Will's background that he just detailed here. But let's go ahead and just dive into Rotor Run, and we can talk a bit about how the SVSEF organization is utilizing Rota, but what you first saw as the real opportunity with Rota Run, a small ski area down in Haley. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's in, it, it, it's important to like understand that like Bald Mountain, Sun Valley, like skiing up here is so cool. <laughs> like, yeah. so I don't want to like yeah, overstate yeah. that side of it. Like I absolutely like, you know, is, is amazing. But my first winter here, um, Rotoron is a, is a small, um, it's a 400 vertical feet, um, Palma lift, um, on this little knob of a hill, um, just outside of Haley, um, Idaho. And my first year here, 2000 winter, 2015, 2016, um, I, I was coaching that U16 group and, I went to to my boss at the time and was like, "Hey, they're flat. Like, is there any any different things we can do?" And he's like, "Well, Rotoron has snow this year. Like, you know, you we could talk to them and they'd fire up the the Palma for you." And I was like, "What's Rotoron?" <laughs> I mean, and I had lived here for uh, you know a couple months at the uh-huh. time, um, and so we go down there and um, we run. We called it the Rotoron Rampage, um, and the we 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 did a dual slalom. Under the lights, I think we had a barbecue out there. Um, uh, a friend of mine, James Takas, and I were on the microphone announcing hmm. um, and just made it a fun environment. And I mean, they, everyone had a blast. It was like so cool. But the whole time I was down there, I was sitting there. I'm like, how did I not know of this place? Mm-hmm. Like what? Like what? And then so I, I went to, to Scotty at the time and, and Phil McNichol, who's now the um, running Alpine Racing for Canada, who was the men's um, head guy for the U S for a long time, um, uh, in racing, he was here at that time. Um, so Phil and Scotty and I, I I remember talking about it It was mostly Scotty and I like, dude, this is like, this is it. Hmm. And he's like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, this is like what I would train at in, in places in Europe. (laughs) If like, this is, this is all you need and this is controllable like in, in, in ways like, like, uh, what, tell me more yeah. right about Rotoron. Like what, like, could we do snowmaking down here? Could we do like all of that stuff? And, and so Scotty kind of started giving me the history. Like there was plans to do snowmaking and they do sell passes, but it, it doesn't, it, it's been a hard, hard to just break even for that nonprofit and to keep it, keep it rolling. The, the mountain was failing. Right. Um, in, in certain ways, um, inconsistent snow skier visits um just wasn't working as a as a as a mountain that way but it was really cool and so we couldn't program down there as consistently as maybe we've wanted to although programming was going down on down there um it wasn't as consistent as you wanted to because you just didn't know what the surface is going to be yeah and we couldn't bring in like training groups and racing because uh, for the older athletes, cause it would, it would ruin it. But anyway, uh, the surface would go too quick. So, um, long story short, Rotor Run, um, was then donated 
was about to be donated to SVSEF, which instead of doing that, Scotty has made it its own that we are not the same two organizations. Okay. Although there is uh, ties to them, but it's it's two separate um, organizations. And so what we've done though is fundraised for it and and added the snowmaking and infrastructure um, to to try to create uh, in another viable training opportunity for the kids. But in general, the bigger picture is like, how do we get more kids skiing? Right. And how, how do we, how do we utilize rotor run in all facets of, of what we're trying to do? So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's been, it's been a really cool, um, experience to start with, but, um, and it's just in the infancy of where we're at, but to get there, the big thing for Scotty and I, some of my best friends that I grew up on the national team, um, were, are the Cochran family. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim Kelly, uh, he actually just had a, had a, had a second child hmm. like two days ago, but, uh, t- Timmy, uh, and I grew up, grew up on the national team together. His sister, Jessica Kelly, um, and, and Robbie Kelly, um, we're, we're all, all friends of mine. Jimmy Cochran was older when I got on the national team, uh, not a ton older, but like someone I just aspired and looked up to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, he was on the team for a while. And so I, I got to be friends with, with, with that whole family, Roger Brown, um, and, and so when we, when we'd be in the East for Norams or for races and stuff like that, um, uh, you know, the, the guys would take me to Cochran's and we would go have just a blast on, on their little ski area. And, uh, so I got to feel the history and, and, you know, feel the passion that this family has for this mountain. And, and, and luckily I, I just saw it, felt it, believed it. And they are that mountain, mm-hmm. like when they, everywhere they have ever skied with them, you know, it, it it's really cool. Um, and so I brought Scotty out to Cochran's, um, right before the pandemic, hmm. um, like the last trip that hmm. we've done, like February of, of, of that year. And at that time we had had snow, um, rotor run going and, and the snowmaking plans were, were in place and stuff like that. But the biggest thing that we were like going there for was just to feel it. Yeah. And by the way, man, we are talking really recent history. So you you were out there February, 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and for people who don't know, where is Cochran's? Yeah. It's in Richmond, Vermont, right outside of Burlington, a, a little bit, little ways out. And, um, it, hopefully people know the historical contracts of, of Cochran's because of, of what, what they've done. But, um, the grandfather bought the piece of land, all of his kids became Olympians and, and everything. And then all the grandkids are, are doing amazing things and stuff like that. And Ryan Cochran-Siegel just won a, a silver medal mm-hmm. um, in, in uh, Super G in the Olympics this, this last year. So the tradition's carrying on, you know, um, on, the, on the athletic side. But the, the real magic is, is, is going there and, and just feeling it and the family's still around. It's not like they moved on and, mm-hmm. and moved to different places. Like it's, 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 it's a true community feel, um, and a really cool way of, of allowing access to skiing at a, at an inexpensive way and in cost. And they have, they've done it for years and, 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 and more and more kids around there have been able to grow up skiing and, and, and loving the sport and having a gritty, um, 
gritty attitude towards the sport. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and so we went, we went out and, and, and Jimmy and Timmy and, and Barbara Ann was there and like, we just kind of, um, Robbie was skiing, like Robbie was still racing and trying, um, he started redneck racing. And so he was still training and racing. Um, like it was just, they're, they're still just there. Um, and it, of course they are, but we felt it. Scotty skied around. We looked at their snowmaking and how they did it. We talked through, um, how they fundraised for it. We talked through, um, the, the ripathon and, 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 and other ways of community. Like, how do they do their school? Do they have a bus drop off? Like just different things that, that were interesting. And I think it was Barbara Ann at the end was what went to me and she's like, so what do you think, Will, can you recreate the magic? And my answer was like, no, <laughs> but I sure can learn from it. Yeah. You know? And so at that time we had already laid the pipe for Rotorun, like, yeah. um, the, the snowmaking, the pump house, like all of that, like we could fill a pond at that time, but we had nothing to make snow yet at Rotorun. And, but I think for me, I don't know if Scotty would feel the same way is he's really leading the charge of the, the Rotorun campaign, um, and has been, and with a lot of other people. Um, but I think it was a, like almost a, yeah, this is a really good idea when we were flying back from, from, from Cochran's and we need to be true to what Rotorun is and what it is for our community and not just turn it into this, um, training center for racing events and, and take all the best bells and whistles and put it onto this, onto this venue. Um, because and spend a ton of money and then have to charge for it yeah. and, and, and do it all. Like where you start really narrowing the pool of people that could even afford to yeah. come in and be a part of this thing. Exactly. Yeah. It was like probably the hard way in some ways to, to go about it. And, and, and Scotty's really led to charge on and, and, uh, but it's been built through, through character, through community and and with the community and we run it like a hockey rink it's, say more about that yeah you, that that's an interesting i think people it's like wait but it's a ski area yeah so what does it mean that it's run like a hockey rink well so it's a simple ski area right it's a palma yeah. lift with um one palma yeah um and and hopefully a rope toe when it works and um but so we fire that up when people are using it um, and so you can rent, there's public ski, right? Just like there's public skate sessions. Now that public ski session isn't going to be from nine to four, mm -hmm. like a, like a lot of normal ski areas. Um, it's 11 to one mm -hmm. or it's night skiing. It's, it's, you know, whatever, six to, to six to nine, but it's not, um, it's not open for the, the, the whole day and you can just drop in whenever you want. Mm -hmm. And then the other times around that, just like public skate right at a hockey rink. And then, um, the teams train and get their ice time, just like people can train and, and get their, their snow time down at Rotor Run. And a lot of different user groups will come in. And so, um, oh yeah, SVSEF is a huge user group. Um, right. Um, but schools, uh, I think Ulan rented Rotor Run out for a, a Sturdivant staff party, <laughs> you know, um, 
it, stuff like that has has happened and 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 um but it's a this hot hockey rink model so that if it's not rented and we're not going to get the the visits the, the it's not on yeah and so we're not we don't have this huge overhead yeah. um and then we don't have a big lodge with concessions and, and and stuff like that. Like they're you know basically kind of a warming hut, which wasn't even a warming hut during COVID. Warm up in your car, um, but so it, it's been able to keep the cost down and then allow us to really create programming and Rotor Run um, create the programming that fits fits them. And it's been a it's been a pretty steep learning curve for the crew down there and and. It, I've been, I'm talking it like, it's kind of like, I'm not really, I'm, I'm once removed from Rotor Run now, right? Like I was a part of the, the idea phase of it, but now people are taking it yeah. and running it and building it into their own. Riley Berman is the mountain manager mm-hmm. down there. I mean, and his kids learned how to snow make, fix a Palma lift, put on like, like the things that we've kind of just had to learn how to do and they've had to learn how to do to create it to be functional and keeping the cost down is pretty it's pretty unique which is like similar to Cochran's but I feel like they've grown up learning how to do those things like and and like we've we've tried to figure them out in within a, a very short amount of time and um so it's been it's been a really cool and as we grow then it's like okay we really need um a winch cat like that top part of the thing is so, so steep. We really need a, a gun that's staged on the side of the mountain. So we've like added to it for like the spending has been like very precise yeah. of what, what is the next thing we need now to make and it'll make this much of a difference. And we've just kind of built it that way instead of like, here's a bucket of money, dump it on the, the, the mountain. Right. And and lose the culture because that's a huge piece for us. Um, we give away skiing down there. So once, once a week is full free public skiing, public night skiing was, was what it was. And, um, and then it's really inexpensive. We call them tribe passes. I bought one for my family. It was 200 bucks for the whole season Hmm. for my whole, you know, my wife and myself and and my kids and stuff. Um, and, and they can be, you can get even cheaper, but so, access to it that way but then the the rotor rippers and and the the youth programming down there that scotty and and brian colkins um and and others have created um barb dunn who actually um coached at cochran's for a while and as a vermonter ran ran um rotor rippers until this last year we basically allow we we pick them up from school Get them to the ski area, find, help find people equipment and sells out. It's about a hundred athletes a year, but it sells out, but it's never, ever as first generation skiers, hmm. for, for a lot of them for their families. Um, and, and, and just basically teach kids how to ski and then, and then see if they will want to and love it and engage in more programming. And, and we try to help financially make that feasible for some that can't afford it. Um, but it's a huge piece to the puzzle. Right. And, and the youth programming down there is growing and it's pretty cool. So mm-hmm. yeah. Anyways. No, it's a good, very good kind of overview at least yeah. of sort of what, what's happening at Rotor Run. And, and I think bringing this back, I, I like your perspective on this. We could have, I might be talking to somebody else and it could be a conversation about, yeah, we want to increase participation in skiing and snowboarding. Right. 
and I'm all for it. Let's yep. talk about how best to do that. You have an added component. You're like, hey, um, did you hear? I'm also the Alpine race director. I'm trying to help kids become like elite racers. So it's twofold, right? Yep. There's you are interested personally and you want more participation, but you are not indifferent about trying to also produce very, very high level racers. Talk a little bit how or why in your view, those seem like actually like complementary aims rather than just weirdly, you know, two distinct goals. Yeah. I mean, it comes back to like outlook on sport in general, you know, and for whatever reason, skiing racing was the sport that I just fell in love with. Right. And, and, and where my, I, I put my passion towards, but like, I love sports. Like I love consuming them, watching football and baseball and I got my teams and I'm loyal and, and you know, I, I'm that guy. I, I love, I just love watching sports. Um, and I think that the, the outcome of, of what we think we want in sport, like maybe as a kid or what a parent may want for their child has, has maybe come out of balance a little bit. Um, but for me, it's the biggest piece is like sport is a vehicle for growth. Yeah. Sport is, is entertainment and fun while you're participating in it or watching it. But when you're living through the experience, it grows an individual. And so however someone, an individual is key to me, however someone wants to participate in sport um, is important because that's, that's growth in a person. And if, if we have more people growing in this world, we, we create a better world. Yeah. It's corny, but it's true. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if we can get to know and connect as much as possible with, with kids, with, with, with other athletes and, and understand why they're out there doing it and maybe like spark a fire within passion, um, where they take it is not the, the end goal, right? It's how they do it and the passion that they have in front of them. And, um, I, I'm a big proponent that I believe like you need to, continue to get better at something to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you have to have goals in front of you to, and you have to be pushed outside of your comfort zone to, to grow and, and, and be able to get better at something. Um, you know, frustration lies when you stay, the, you stay at the same place. Mm -hmm. And so sport has a place of, of automatically pushing you past your comfort zone to grow. Um, and so for me, if that growth is for an athlete in this program that could go win Olympic gold medals and, and I could at some point in their career, help them to that and help them reach their potential. Awesome. Like that is fun it is so sweet. And I can't, I can't tell you how fun I have teaching, teaching kids with that much passion and that much intensity to go after something. Hmm. But at the same time, the kid just, you know, finds skiing and, 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 and loves it and, and wants to be a part of it. Like every Avenue should be open for that as yeah. well. And, and we have to have the balance of both. 
we have to have our, 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 our Michaela Schifrin's and Bodie Miller's and Ted Ligeti's that, um, for me, it was, you know, Tommy Moe, Peekaboo Street, um, you know, uh, Eric Schlopey, like these guys that I inspired to be like, you know, your, your legends to chase. You need those people. Yeah. But that's not the point. <laughs> it like it's sport. The point is winning. I don't that. And it's important. But at the end of the day, the growth of the individual for me and, and the journey that you're on and what it can take you on and the hardships, it creates a better person. Right. And so I believe that like we really have to take care of that, this, this whole component in our country and how we look at not just the sport of skiing or snowboarding, um, but all of our sports, all of our youth athletics, we need to really look at it. Right. And be like, are we in proper balance of this? Right. Because both are important participation and, and high achievement. And are we allowing enough avenues for, um, to get into the sports and then enough opportunity from some that maybe come from different means to be able to, um, reach their full potential? Or are we just propping up a certain demographic? And, and allowing them to be able to, um, to achieve what they want to achieve. Um, narrowing the pool for who even could potentially get there. Yeah. And that's something, and, and again, your own story. Yeah. Like if we, as a, let's say we, uh, as the sport of ski racing and, you know, bringing up young kids into this sport, trying to see if they, this might be a path for them. I think it's fair to say like your own story going back to Walla Walla, there is a certain version of ski racing where you were just kind of priced out from the jump. Yep. Like your story isn't possible. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a really big concern. Like I, I reflect on it as like, there's a good possibility that if I was just plopped back into this generation of, of youth athlete growing up in the sport now. of ski racing now, yeah, um, like, and had the same, everything else, like would my pathway to where I got to go be, be open mm -hmm. and, and would I be a ski racer or would I just play baseball? Cause mm -hmm. I loved baseball. Um, <laughs> but it's a, I, I don't, I, I think the answer is no mm -hmm. right now. I don't think the pathway that I took is, 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 is actually, you can, I would have made it to the national team and, and what's making it is another funny thing, but, mm. but to the national team and, and to the Olympics and to the, 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 the highest level of the sport, like, I don't think yeah. that pathway is open anymore, um, in certain places, in certain ways. Now I would have had to gone to a ski academy potentially, or I would have needed to, to, um, yeah, do something different, but, um, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, I, I think, I think it, it's not just skiing that's, this is happening that's right. to. That's right. Yeah. And, and it, so it's a bigger conversation. Yeah. This is the sport that I, that I get to be a part of, yeah. right. Um, because of the work and, and, um, and so I'm just trying to look at how to, how to find ways to to better it and, and open pathways instead yeah. of close them. Yeah. And it, it's funny. I think when I, 
I kind of had my own sort of history with mainstream sports, football, basketball, right? Yeah. And when that stuff wrapped up, people, you know, conversations when they would come up, like, what do you think? Like, did you view these as character building or something? In the moment, actually, when I was still pretty fresh off of that, I was like, I don't know. Seems like that can get overstated pretty easily. The older I get, I'm actually kind of going to go back and be like, dude, like having goals, whether it's to win, whether it's to beat your cross town rival, whether it's to, you know, make it to state, whether it's to win a national championship, to have those goals and carrots out there. And then to have to like reverse engineer, like, okay, so what is it? What is the discipline? What is the work that would be required to go accomplish some of those things? Those are things, man, like, and this is, I'm not breaking any news here, but if somebody hasn't had those experiences, I don't know that I'm willing to bet on you through like the rest of your adult life. Like you haven't sacrificed, you haven't developed the discipline, you haven't had to work with teammates Mm -hmm. or you haven't had the joys of experiencing the camaraderie, you know, the social interactions. Like, I think actually I am maybe a bit like you more into, by the way, let alone all the talk of like generations are getting more sedentary. Yeah. We need to reverse that by every available metric, right? Yep. So I do think it's right to be thinking, whether we're talking volleyball clubs or soccer clubs or ski racing, if we keep on a path where all of this stuff, and I talk to a lot of friends with kids, it all seems to be getting more expensive and requiring maybe earlier commitments or more of a time commitment and financial commitment. Like this doesn't seem to be the right path if somebody listening to this kind of maybe agrees with us that there's just a lot of important personal development things that happen through participation. Yeah. And I think we just have to keep it open. Like we we just can't close pathways, right? If there's this, if there's this 10 year old kid ski, like I was just using ski racing that is into it and it's what loves it, can't get enough of it. And it's the it's how that family connects with each other and goes and wants to train. Like I'm not talking about you're training too much, stop training, or you're doing this, or like I'm just talking about like allowing everyone to have their own path mm-hmm. in, in certain ways to be able to individualize what that experience is, keep them in the sport, keep them growing and going, and and keeping that. At a certain point, you got to have as many hours and you got to start checking the boxes yeah. and, and to maintain this and, and, and keep going on. I get it. But like, I just feel like there's a lot of doors closed to entry point for skiing. I think there's a lot of doors closed to entry point just to even get on the hill mm-hmm. now. Um, and and then I think within the, within the sport, like the there's more ways to do the right thing. Like then, then maybe we're doing, you talk know? about those. Let's, like, let's start. I'd love to go into some like specifics as you see them to start planting some seeds potentially into people, you know, into the minds of people listening to this. So what do you mean? What are, what are you thinking of? Well, I think for me, the big thing I'm hung up on right now is that like, 
I mean, we could go off in a lot of different directions, but for me right now, when I look at Rotorun, you know, um, which again, I, I want to state like I was a part of the idea phase of Rotorun, but the people on the ground doing it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to be taking the credit for Rotorun. I'm just sitting there saying like, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I'm really passionate about it. Um, but if you see what's the, the hockey rink model that we mm-hmm. kind of talked about, um, and, and, and you look at how we kind of like, it was expensive, but it wasn't, we didn't take, it wasn't a insane mm-hmm. amount of money that I've seen go into other training venues and in and, and locations around our country where it's like, how much does that cost you guys? It's like, whoa, we did it for like, you know, 20% of that. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that you can expand Rotorun into more of these rural communities, rural areas. Um, and, and I, I don't mean expand Rotorun, but expand the concept. The concept. Yeah. Um, and, and so like, I just think that like the sport of skiing and our snow sports, we, the youth side of it, as much as we can get out of the major resorts and like they're the bigger events and stuff like that are there. I get it. Like it's awesome. And we want to go to those places. They're rad, but how expensive it is to getting onto the hill, the parking, the lift tickets and stuff like that. Um, you know, why do like we're paying and traveling already to go to these places. Why don't we do, why don't we go to somewhere where that's less expensive, but then we can help put the infrastructure in. Yeah. It's a win-win for them and us because they're struggling to stay open. Just to clarify this for people, when you say, when we travel, who do you mean specifically? So like for our organization, I mean, we have our fist team, our athletes, um, they average around um, 40 race starts a year. All right. And those, those race starts are all over. It it matters what level you're at, but they're all over the country. Um, and we're talking people, participants from age ranges. Yeah. So our fist team is, is 16 to, to up. Yep. Um, and then our U16 team is, is 14 to 16, yep. 14, you know, 12 to 14. All like at the U14 level, we'll start traveling, which is divisionally for us um, at the U14 level consistently. They'll, they'll have about four travel races a year, at the U14 level, which, uh, is, is a series. So you go, so for us, we drive over to Jackson, we drive to park city, um, snowbird, um, you know, bogus McCall, like we'll, we'll, we'll go over there for the U14s expands more when you're a U16 yeah. to regional and fits it's regional and national as you get older. So we're traveling all over the place, driving nine hours, 13 hours, blah, blah, blah uh, flying to these different race sites, and, and to do it and, and other teams that are in the same, um, same kind of circuit as we're in are doing the same thing. Right. So we're already all traveling. Yeah. Like, and so I think the ability to utilize sport at like, if I was the USOC or, or the head of the USC snowboard, this would be the number one initiative for, for me is sitting there being like, use the sport, use the movement of sport to captivate and, and stabilize these local ski resorts. Um, these, these smaller ski resorts, some that are dying and fading off that mountain. I talked about spout Springs, um, earlier where I, 
where I learned how to slalom ski basically it isn't open mm-hmm. anymore. Um, you know, it, the, I bet the chairlifts work and I bet the, hmm. <laughs> I bet the forest service rights are still there. And, hmm. and, and I've heard rumors and maybe it's open now. It's just, it, it goes in and out closed or, you know, closed for some seasons or not. So hopefully if someone out there is opening Spout Springs, way to go. <laughs> um, but the, 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 the bigger point is, is like, how do we share this, the infrastructure that we've learned at Rotorun and be like, if I was USOC or, or US Ski and Snowboard, it's like, let's start investing mm-hmm. in the infrastructure of, of venues. Let's start moving some of this youth level racing to these venues that we know we can control, like in the sense of surface and stuff like that, because they want to work with us. Um, it, we're not ruining the the main public run for right. what, however many skier count they're having that day. Yeah. Right. Um, but at the same time, um, maybe that gives that that local area that 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 you know kick they needed, right? And then we can start to grow the sport in these these communities um, more. Now, if we're bringing pretty high level youth competitions to these places, what will happen to those towns around there? Mm-hmm. There's more opportunities for these kids. We can grow. We can grow the sport, and I think that's where where I'm sitting with ski, skiing in general is like, like there's a place for all of it mm-hmm. yeah. for, for, for the conglomerates to do what they're doing at a business model. I get it. It makes sense. You know, for the longtime local that lived at your ski, like in these ski towns, like I get why you might be bummed at a longer lift line. Like I get it, but it makes sense. Like what they're doing. But if you're, from the Midwest and only buying a, an Epic pass and skiing and not skiing at your local ski area as much. And you're just, and, and instead you're just skiing two weeks a year at, at, at some, some of your, uh, some other Epic pass resort, like well, what, what's happening to your mom and pa and their yeah. skier visits ski resort right down the hill, Yeah, you know, and you can get good turns anywhere Yeah, and you can find that passion, that community, which is a big piece of, of our sport and skiing anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and so like, I just feel like we're, we're starting to walk away from a big core piece of what skiing is. And, and, and I say skiing, but I love snowboarding too. Like yeah. I don't snowboard, but like snow sports, snow is, sports, yep. you know, and, um, like the, the passion for, um, for being outside and for, for pushing your, pushing your limits and all of that. Um, but the community feel of doing that with someone next to you, sharing that chairlift ride with the stranger and talking to them instead of just listening to your earbuds, like, like, like that skiing mm-hmm. and, and it, to me, but again, uh, I, I go off on this tangent, but it should, it should be individualized. That's skiing to me, but whoever wants to ski, go do it however you want to do it. But, mm-hmm. you know, but this idea of, working with or getting the attention of governing bodies to say, Hey, how about we effectively start creating could even maybe to get started or, or see if you got a better idea here or, you know, tweak this thought almost like creating a bit of a circuit of, of some spots. Let's get this started. So you got to start somewhere with a number of these, venues that don't that's fine if it's 500 you know feet of vert 600 feet of vert 400 feet of vert 
you know, but where it makes sense and where it could work to start creating a bit of like, this is where we're going now. Mm -hmm. If the governing bodies are willing to invest a bit, obviously you would talk with certain communities that are receptive to such an idea. Then the communities start investing, by which I do not merely mean financially, but like now they can get excited. It's another offering for the community, things for kids to do and adults to do, et cetera. Sounds to me like that's the model here yes. that you're interested in. And I think it makes a lot of sense. It's delicate too, right? Like in, in all of these in all these communities, Rotoron is another is an example. It's it's in our valley, right? But there's a there's a core group of people that like Rotoron was Rotoron in the way it was, mm. right? And so we've we've gone a great length to you know someone else could tell you different, but I, we've gone a great length to try as much to like not kill what it was to them, but to grow. Listen, you only got to do that 16 days last year. Mm-hmm. Now let's do it more. But it's going to kind of be at this time slot and this way you get, a, you get a skier at Epic Mountain, right? And so it's delicate however you want to go within that community and into that culture and, 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 and build a true partnership with, these, with this, right? If you, if you do it in a way that convo- um, you create these relationships, you know, I think we can do this right so that we just start creating win-win scenarios for the industry, Right. Um, a win-win scenario for, for the sport and for that, that, that local community. And like, that's what road runs proven to me. That's what Cochran's years and years ago has proven to us. Right. And we need to start looking at, look at what Cochran's has produced in the actual sport. Yeah. Right. And you can't repeat the magic. You can't grab, in my opinion, you can't just, okay. We're just going to go build another Cochran's over here. That won't happen, but we can learn from how that, like how, how they've done it and, and try to create it into your own, within your own community, within your own culture. Cause everyone's a little bit different. Right. And, and uh, yeah, we we talked a little bit about how similar Crested Butte and Sun Valley could yeah. be, you know, but there is differences, but there is a lot of probably similarities, but every ski town has its own and every Valley has its own kind of culture. Um, and, and so do these smaller ski areas too. Right. And so you have to be, you have to be careful within the balance. Mm-hmm. Okay. I should probably let you get going pretty soon, <laughs> but I'm always like to push at the end of a conversation like this, where there's a lot of like exciting and cool and interesting ideas being proposed. <laughs> How do we actually move this to the next concrete step? Do you think there's only one way it could get done? Or do you think there's the most likely way if we're actually going to see movement on this? So those are, I guess, two questions. Do you think there's only one way? Yes or no. Do you personally have a hunch there's a most likely way to get this done? Yeah, I think, well, to start like snowmaking, when we're talking about infrastructure, snowmaking is key. And when, when you look, like, I don't know how many people know this, but like, if you're looking at the Olympics or, or world championships or, or any of the highest level of, of these sports now, wasn't always like this, but most of that is man-made snow or mixed in snow, right? That's, that's, it's easier to build, right? And it's easier to build cool terrain. 
it's easier to build the the half pipe and all of that stuff. Like doing it on um, natural snow is is a lot harder and and sometimes more dangerous within um, what you can create for the surface. Like if you build this, anyways. So the infrastructure snowmaking is key to this, right? And the other side of snowmaking is is that some of these smaller ski resorts that I'm talking about are in places that don't get as much snow as they used to. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, climate change is climate change. And, um, so that's the big thing around the infrastructure that I see is like to be able to, um, figure out how we put in some of these systems in, in these different places is, is the key. The price point, getting people to the, to, to schedule the race, doing all of that other stuff, having some, like, that's easy. It's, it's snowmaking infrastructure and teaching people how to build safe, proper terrain, Mm -hmm. right? That's what we have to invest in, Mm -hmm. in these, in these places. And I don't know if there's one way, right way to do this, to, to go and, and, and go after this idea. But I do feel that the governing body of our sports needs to be looking into all aspects of how we grow the sport, how we take care of the sport, how we allow access through our pipeline and our progressions through our sports. I do, like, no one can disagree with that, that we have to continue to invest and look at that side of it, the trajectory of how we climb the ladder in our sports. And we can't, the cost of racing all of our races in in the mountains that are succeeding right now, they're succeeding because they're awesome ski areas. Mm-hmm. They're busy. Yeah. For to close runs off, to do the exact type of event we want to do and, and do all that other stuff is a big ask. And we are like so gosh darn lucky we have these supporters that allow us to do it at these mountains, right? But to grow it, we need more space. Mm-hmm. And how are we going to get that? And so if I'm the, if I'm the U.S. Ski and Snowboard, if I'm the um, USOC, I'm really looking into this idea, <laughs> of course, because it's my idea. But it's like <laughs> it, to, to figure out how we cost measures, keep the cost down, but keep the events in, uh, and at, at a high quality that we can – inspire the next generation and through our events. And so I guess my answer is, is like, I think they should look into this. It's not, and, and maybe it's in an, all right, let's invest in this one spot. Yeah. There's a, there's a group, there's a committee looking yeah. through where would be the best place to go after this. But at the end of the day, like it doesn't have to be the best system yeah. and the best, all of these other things. No, put in snowmaking. Figure out how we get access to water. Look at all that stuff. Then we can make cheap events happen in, in, in places that hotel rooms are less expensive and they want us to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, instead of, because uh, cause a lot of times we're asking for deals because we don't want to be a full paying customer because we want to keep the cost down, right? Mm-hmm. And so then people are like, okay, you, you can come. We want to help you guys out um, right now. But so, the idea where we're pushing into some of the most popular ski areas in the world that are already busy. And we're asking them to close down courses 
and you're trying to stay in hotels in these areas that house the most popular ski areas in the world, you're just like, wouldn't this be simpler if we set this up elsewhere? Yeah. 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 And and like, yeah, this seems kind of obvious. Right. And, and at the same time, like we got to keep the sport, like we got to be careful, right? Cause marquee events, like some of these traditional hills that are huge at at these big resorts, right? Like, not saying those go right, away. Totally. Yeah. Um, but w- do we need to have it th- this many times for each of these age groups yeah. and, and stuff like that? Um, and I, I don't know. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we can make it cheaper in different ways, create better access. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just create better access for the kids that are already in the sport and keeping it cheaper. It creates more access. And that's the other side of it is like, then we're, we're building this. Mm-hmm. We're, actually gaining diversity in our sport right and i think that's like a a huge key piece to growth and i i I just haven't seen it growing specifically at the upper levels of ski racing like the numbers are staying pretty consistent at the fifth age how many kids ski race right um maybe even going down a bit Hmm. and um and so yeah i think it's a it's a huge piece and 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 lastly like the other sport moguls those venues, you know, uh, uh, skier cross, border cross, mm-hmm. train parks, like all of those things. Like this is like, it's not, I'm not just talking ski racing. Right. right when we're talking about how do you, how do you grow it all? Right. Because everyone latches onto something that inspires them, you know, and, and the, whatever they do within, within our mountains, within our hills, in our rivers, in these valleys that we get to live in. Like we got to keep inspiring the next generation and then figure out how to take care of it, you know? And, and, uh, I don't know if we're doing a good enough job of taking care of things right now. (laughs) Well, Will, that's a lot of food for thought and it's really cool to learn more about your own backstory and sort of, which I think so, uh, clearly informs why you are passionate about some of the particular things you're so passionate about. And, um, it's cool. And I think, uh, I think the kids around here are pretty lucky to have you. And certainly as you've said multiple times now in this conversation, many people in this community who are really, you know, pushing things forward and operating road to run, you know, um, and doing things around here to, uh, you know, certainly here, it, it seems like this is a really nice example of a community working together up and down the valley to provide some pretty incredible experiences for a lot of kids. Yeah. And it's, it's inspiring to be a part of really like the, we all just have our roles, right. In our places. Like, I, I feel like I have a, like I get vision and stuff like that. But like, man, there's a lot more people that actually get it done Mm -hmm. like around, around town. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, and so it's fun that we, we get it. We're we're going after things together. Right. And, and when that happens and you have creative minds, like, yeah, you can, you can create some cool things and we're, we're not perfect. We got a lot of work to do. We, we got a lot of, of things I want to, I want to do better at, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, the, it's, it, it, it goes back to growth and, and like this conversation that we would have had if we had it five years ago, when I started 
this role and what we're talking about now, like I'm still developing a lot of philosophy and yeah. a, a lot of, a lot of this. Right. And yeah. so, um, it'd be interesting to come back and listen to it later. Right. <laughs> and, and, and see, but I, I think that's a key piece though, is, um, like you can't stop growing. Yeah. I just truly believe that and grow the relationships around you so that we can, we can learn from each other and, and become better. And we just need more of that. Hmm. So anyways, and it's, it's fun to be a part of it right now. It, it, it's truly, it, it's inspiring the, the, the type of people I get to be around that are pulling out the rope together. Hmm. So hopefully, hopefully we can, we can keep doing that here. And, and, um, there's a lot of other places around the country that are doing really cool things hmm. and, uh, and we can learn from. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, I appreciate the time. Yeah. This has been really cool. Yeah. And me too, man. I have a hunch. We won't wait like five more years <laughs> yeah. till we sort of have some of these conversations again. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I look forward to our next one already. Me too. It's been a blast. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Well, that's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. I want to say thanks to Will for the conversation. And I want to say thanks to everyone at the Sun Valley Ski Education Foundation for all of the work that they're doing there. I want to say thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode. And from the entire team at Blister, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we'll be talking with you again real soon.